Well, our message series that we are looking at now that we are going through is called Jumping Hurdles. What are hurdles? Well, hurdles are things that hold us back from fulfilling our full potential in God. Now, we often think of hurdles as external obstacles, things that, that uh, come at us from outside, and they often are. But sometimes hurdles can be internal things, things inside of us, thoughts, uh, things in our own lives that work against God's plan. So today we're going to look at a, a different type of hurdle that we all have as believers. And my message is entitled, Shout It Out. Now, for those of us who are believers this morning, have you ever found it difficult to share your faith? I have. Have you ever found it difficult to just pass out on the ministry table? We have little invite cards to church to pass out a little card. Ever found that difficult? Sometimes. Sometimes it is. Now, we all agree as believers that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to us, right? And it should be easy to tell other people the good news. It's as if there's a hurdle or something holding us back from talking about Jesus. Now, there is an external aspect to that because the devil doesn't want us talking to other people about Jesus. So he plays with our thoughts from time to time. He plays on our own worries, our insecurities. He gives us all kinds of reasons not to speak out for Jesus. And as we'll see, being a witness for Jesus is not optional for a believer. God places people into each of our lives that need to hear about Jesus. And we are the ones to do that. And so God's plan for us is to shout it out. Now, you don't have to shout. <laughs> That's just a figure of speech. Shout it out that Jesus is the way, uh, the good news. And so in order to grow as a witness for Jesus, God wants us to, to help us in three areas. First of all, we need to understand what is at stake for the unbeliever. Now, in the bulletin that you should have picked up on the table, uh, or you could have picked up on the table, there's a white sheet there, and it has the verses written out. The first one, 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. Now, this is speaking about His promise of returning again but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you've got a pen, circle that word perish in the verse there. He is not wanting that any should perish. And so what is at stake with people who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior is their eternal destinies, that they're going to perish if they enter eternity without knowing Jesus. And God's will is that everybody should repent and believe in Jesus. But that's only going to happen if somebody tells them about the gospel. And so we need to recognize what is at stake with the people around us who do not yet know Jesus. Secondly, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And so we need a power greater than our own to be witnesses. We need a power greater than simply knowing what the Bible has to say. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be the witnesses that Jesus calls us to. And finally, we need some simple understanding of how to be a witness, how to be an effective witness. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story, and Jesus himself is going to teach us how to be a witness for him. 
how to share your faith with those who are closest to you. So the first principle we want to look at is how should we respond to seekers of the truth? Our story begins in John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so our story today is about a Pharisee named Nicodemus who came to talk to Jesus. Nicodemus was a member of the ruling council. He was an important, influential official. Nicodemus had undoubtedly been watching Jesus, listening to the reports of the things that Jesus did. And he came to talk to Jesus at night, probably because he didn't want anybody to see him talking to Jesus. Jesus was seen as a threat by most Pharisees. Now, Nicodemus didn't start the conversation with a question. He started it with a statement. He believed that Jesus was a teacher from God because of the miracles that he'd seen Jesus do. So Jesus then answered him. Nicodemus thus was a seeker of the truth. And so Jesus answered him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus perceived that Nicodemus' real question was to see and learn more about this miraculous kingdom of God. How are these miracles happening? People being healed, people being delivered. Nicodemus wanted Jesus to teach him about that. But Jesus' reply indicated that Nicodemus needed more than just knowledge. What did he need? He needed to be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus and all the Jews of the time, they took their pride in being born a Jew. That was their birth heritage. And yet Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. A, a concept that Nicodemus had never heard of before. Nicodemus replied and said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, I'm not sure if this question is a serious question by Nicodemus or he is joking or mocking Jesus here. How can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born again? But Nicodemus really didn't know what it meant to be born again. Jesus goes on to explain in the next verse. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus then explains in more detail, what does it mean to be born again? It's, it's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual rebirth. Jesus describes this as being born of water and the Spirit. Now in Scripture, the Spirit is often referred to by Jesus and in Scripture as living water. So I think this might be better translated, you must be born of water, even the Spirit. So Jesus was telling Nicodemus that his physical birth as a Jew did not qualify him to see or enter the kingdom of God. He needed to be spiritually born again through the working of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus gives us an important example of how to respond to seekers of the truth. So let's think for a minute about ourselves. How can we follow Jesus' example with seekers? What got Nicodemus' interest in the first place? Well, it was the miracles that Jesus did. As it were, the, 
the answers to prayer. People said, I'm sick. I want God to heal me. Jesus healed them, got Nicodemus' attention. So how can you and I help people become seekers like Nicodemus? A very simple way is what some people have called raising your flag. Has anybody ever heard that before? A few maybe have. Raising your flag. One way uh, to, ra- well, to raise your flag is basically to let other people know in one way or another that you are a believer. Uh, to let them know that you are a believer. I'm going to tell how that opens doors. One way is on occasion to talk about what God is doing in your life. Somebody says, what did you do the weekend? Well, you could say, I slapped, I took it easy, or I did this or that. You might say, I went to church, and God showed me something there. That is raising your flag. They now know you're a believer, you went to church, you actually learned something there. Uh, You might talk about how God has answered some of your prayers. Uh, If God's recently answered a prayer, you tell somebody, I prayed, and God answered my prayer. That's raising your flag. They know you're somebody who prays. In fact, they know you're somebody who God answers your prayers. Easy ways. And once your friend, relative, or whoever you're, you're talking to knows the importance of God in your life, guess what? They are more likely to ask you to pray for their issues. In fact, you then have another way to raise your flag is somebody comes up to you and grumbles or complains or has a problem in their life. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they have financial troubles. And you say, would you mind if I prayed for you? That's another way of raising your flag. And when God answers that prayer, they go, wow, this really works. And you have an opportunity to share more with them. And so these are very simple, non-threatening ways to open the door to spiritual conversations with people that God has put in your life. Not only do these principles work in person, they also can work on social media, actually. They can work by text, by email. And so ask God to help you to raise your flag to begin spiritual conversations with people responding to seekers. And as we build these relationships, we need to answer their questions. Let's go back to the story of Jesus and Nicodemus in verse 7. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Jesus continues to answer Nicodemus' non-verbalized questions. Jesus can see he has these questions in his mind. He doesn't know what to ask. What is this born again all about? And Jesus says that being born again is being born of the Spirit. Now in the Greek language this verse is written in, the words for spirit and wind are the same word, pneuma. And you just have to tell by context whether Jesus is talking about the wind, or the Spirit. And so Jesus is using a physical illustration of the wind to describe the activity of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. When a person is born again by the Spirit, the Spirit leads him in kind of mysterious ways because he's following the Spirit's direction. He's going wherever the Spirit leads him. He's a completely different person because 
he has been born again. Now Nicodemus, he says, how can these things be? Nicodemus still is not understanding. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? And so Jesus responds to Nicodemus' question with another question. He questions how Nicodemus, one of the predominant leaders or teachers in Israel, could not understand these basic spiritual realities. I believe Jesus is showing Nicodemus, you don't know it all. There's lots that you need to learn. These things that God wants to teach you. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 12, I've taught, told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And so Jesus has been giving Nicodemus earthly illustrations of spiritual things. He's talked about being born again. Kind of a strange concept when you think about it physically, right? He's been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit as, as like the wind. And then for the very first time, Jesus begins to talk about himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. Now, Nicodemus knew the Old Testament. That is the Old Testament name for the Messiah, the Son of Man. And then Nic Jesus lets Nicodemus know he's not just a man. He says that he's ascended into heaven. He's descended from heaven. And he's going to ascend back into heaven. And so now Jesus is making it clear to Nicodemus he is not simply a teacher. He is not simply a man. He is divine. He is God. Jesus is answering the questions that Nicodemus didn't even know he had. And so as Nicodemus had wrong ideas about Jesus and salvation, many people today have wrong ideas about how you can be saved, how you can go to heaven. Most people believe if you're a pretty good person, you'll go to heaven. And the vast majority of people think, I'm going to heaven. I certainly don't want to go the other place, so that's the place I want to go. So how can we teach the truth? How can we lovingly confront some of these wrong ideas? And one of the best ways is to simply share how we were saved. Share how you were born again. Share about the change that God worked in your life. And part of every story of being saved is the realization that I wasn't good enough. I had sinned. And that sin had separated me from God. And I, I needed to be born again. I needed a change in my life. I needed Jesus' forgiveness in order to be saved. And so no matter how you were saved, whether at a young age or, or later in life, your story is a powerful way to answer the questions of somebody who is seeking to know more about Jesus. And so I'd encourage you to think about it. Think back to when you were saved. Think back to when you gave your heart to God. Perhaps even take a little time and write out your story. It doesn't have to be long. Don't make it pages and pages because... That's probably, people aren't going to listen to pages and pages. Make it short, make it sweet, and have the prayer you prayed, the commitment you made, the understanding you had at that time to share with somebody else. And that's how we can begin to answer the questions as we 
are witnesses to others. Finally, explain the plan of salvation in, in detail. Jesus goes on to say in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, there's that phrase again, himself, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So now Jesus begins to explain in greater detail what it really means to be born again. Now what is this talk about Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness? Well, Moses put a bronze serpent on a pole and lifted it up in the wilderness when the people were being bit by poisonous snakes. God told him to do it. And he told the people, if you look at this bronze serpent, after you've been bit, look at this bronze serpent and believe that God will heal you, you will be healed. The people who looked at the serpent were healed. Those who did not, were not. And Jesus was saying, in a sense, I'm like that serpent. I'm going to be lifted up on a pole, speaking of being crucified on the cross. And those who look to me in faith will be healed of the deadly poison of sin. They will be forgiven of their sins. Those who believe in Jesus aren't going to perish, aren't going to die like the people who are bitten by the poisonous snakes. They're going to have eternal life. That's what being born again is all about. And then we come to John 3.16. Anybody ever heard of that verse before? Uh, undoubtedly the most famous verse in the Bible. It is a snapshot of what salvation really is all about. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. There's that perish word again. But have eternal life. That's God's plan of salvation. God loved mankind. He loved you. He loved me. He loved every person who's ever lived so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. And what did Jesus' death on the cross accomplish? He accomplished the forgiveness of our sins, the things that separated us from God. And if we believe in Jesus, if we look to him, if we put our trust in him, we will be saved. We will not perish we will have eternal life. And that's what it means to be born again. Born into this new life. Jesus concludes in verse 18. He says, whoever believes in him, speaking of himself, is not condemned. But whoever believes, uh, whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so Jesus makes it clear that there are only two types of people in the world. Those who have believed in him and those who have not yet. Those who have not believed in Jesus are condemned. That is, they're going to perish unless they believe in Jesus. Everyone is born a sinner. Everybody is headed to perish. Everybody is headed to hell. But God gives everyone an opportunity to believe in Jesus. And once you do... Once you accept that opportunity, you're saved. Then you have eternal life. You are born again. Those who reject the opportunity that God gives to them continue to be condemned by their own sin. And so Jesus clearly explains the plan of salvation here to Nicodemus. Now, how do we explain the plan of salvation to someone? 
Well, we present the, the essence of that plan in, in short form every Sunday. But this is not just for Sunday services. If you're here a while, you, you've heard it many times. But sometimes we hear things many times and it just kind of goes over our heads. But it's there for us to use. We call it the ABC of salvation. I guess I should have it up there right now, but I don't. But anyhow, the A, we can remember ABC, right? The A means to admit that you've sinned. Repent, turn away from that sin. The B means believe in Jesus, that he died to forgive your sins. And he rose from the dead, he's alive. And the C is to commit your life to follow him as your Lord and Savior. A, admit, B, believe, C, commit. So that's simple enough that everyone here could explain that to somebody else, right? And once you've explained it, you can ask if they'd like to pray with you. That happened just a few weeks ago, right on the front pew here at the end of the service. I went through the ABCs with somebody. They said, I don't know how to pray. I said, I'll help you. Do you want to pray with me? I said, yep. And so... We went through the ABCs when they prayed to be born again and were baptized just a few weeks ago. When you do that, you're going to be part of God changing somebody's eternal destiny. Now, we don't read of Nicodemus praying the ABC prayer, uh, do we? Our story ends right there. So what happened to him? Well, I looked through the other References to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. And we read in John chapter 19, verse 39, that Nicodemus joined with Joseph of Arimathea, who was called a disciple of Jesus, to anoint Jesus' body after he was crucified with spices and worked with Joseph to bury Jesus in the tomb. There's nothing accidental in the Bible. And I believe that was put in there to give us a hint And I think we can safely assume that the seed that Jesus planted in Nicodemus' heart with that nighttime conversation bore fruit. And Nicodemus believed in him. Sometimes when we explain the plan of salvation to someone, we might not see immediate results. But the seeds are planted and over time, as we continue to pray for that person, they're going to grow and the person will be saved. And so the Holy Spirit can help us to explain the plan of salvation to those who are seeking. And so this morning, I'd like each of us to think of people in our lives that we know who are close to us that are not saved, we know, or perhaps we don't know whether they are saved or not. If you're not sure that someone is a believer and you know them pretty well, let me just say the odds are they're not. Uh, We don't know for sure, but if somebody isn't letting their light shine, something is maybe out of kilter in their life. So make a list of those closest to you who are not saved, you know, or who you're not sure about, and begin to pray for them. Pray that they would seek after God, that you would have opportunities to raise your flag with them, to begin to have spiritual conversations with them. And finally, be prepared to tell your story how you got saved when it gets to that point in the relationship. Be ready to share how they can follow your example by asking Jesus into their life. You can also invite them to church. 
Every Sunday they're going to hear about the ABCs. And many people have been saved on Sunday mornings by committing their lives to Jesus Christ. And as we pray and believe that God is going to help us, as we follow the Spirit's direction, God is going to use us to see more and more people saved, more and more friends and relatives coming to Him, and more and more people becoming part of the family of God. So this morning I'm going to do what we talked about, and there is the ABCs again. And we just went over them, so I'm not going to go over them in detail, but it's to admit that you sin. Repent, turn away from that sin. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. Commit your life to following Him as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask us all to bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. It doesn't matter if you're an adult or a young person. I prayed a prayer like this when I was four years old. And so it's a very simple prayer. I'd encourage you to pray that prayer for the first time if you've never prayed before. To perhaps you want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. I encourage you to do that as well. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray. I encourage you to pray along with me. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. Things that were not part of your plan for my life. And I repent. I turn away from those things. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I put my faith in him. I ask for his forgiveness of my sin. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I commit my life to following him as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Let's continue to pray as well this morning. God, we pray that you would help each of us to be filled with your spirit so that we can be the witnesses that you call us to be. Teach us how to raise our flag so that other people know that we're believers, to not be ashamed of the gospel, to talk to others about you. Help us to know how to respond to those who are seeking the truth. God, help us to, even though we don't know the answer to every question people may have, help us to be able to answer the important questions about how they can be born again, about how you can bring answers to prayer into their lives, how they can be healed, how they can be set free of things, how they can find your plan for their lives. God, we pray that you use each of us to explain the plan of salvation. It's so simple that even a child can understand. Give us opportunities to explain that and to pray with people that they might be born again. We pray that this story of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus could be a guideline, a template for us as we seek to be your witnesses in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.